When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast here on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. He is Levin Black. We're going live early because Levin's going to be working tomorrow during our normal live spot. So we thought, hey, why not go live early? Because we have breaking news. Steve Wilkes out as defensive coordinator. Kyle Shanahan made the announcement yesterday. Levin, your thoughts? Uh, not surprised at all. And glad i think it's uh obvious there was a connection problem there the defensive leaders i don't think saw eye to eye with uh wilkes i think there's a difference in philosophy of all right when we need to get a stop what do we play because wilkes goes soft and the i think that the mo and the identity of this defense is instead of going soft they do the exact opposite get aggressive so I'm not surprised they moved on. And I think, uh, as we said on Sunday after the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan having to call the timeout to literally say, what the hell are you doing? I don't want to see that defense. Or I think he actually said, from what the mouth re- reader said, from what I've heard is before he covered his mouth, it looked like he said, I don't want to see that cover zero. And then he covered up. his. So that, that was the end. It, it's very clear that Wilkes does not see eye to eye in terms of philosophy and he was unwilling to change. And I don't necessarily disagree with him. Like he's been a successful coach because of what he knows and what he does. So it it was just a, I think a dumb situation to begin with. Hey, you're a successful person. You've made it all the way to being a head coach in the NFL. 
we want to hire you, but don't run what you know. Come in and we'll tell you what to run. And you don't get to hire any of your own staff. You have to use our staff. So it was a very difficult situation. And you're right. I mean, the 49ers were eighth in yards allowed this season, and they were third in yards per game. And they only allowed two touchdowns to Patrick Mahomes in five quarters in the Super Bowl. If you just look at the raw statistical data alone, you would say, how could you fire this guy? That's crazy. But when you watch the season game to game and you cover the team and you're in it, it was clear. He was the outsider. He was always the outsider. He was always the guy running the 49ers scheme, running Fred Warner's scheme. He never got past that. And I think it was reflected in the 49ers forcing him to the sideline. I think it was reflected in the fact that he just never meshed with the team and it had to be done. And it's unfortunate because I think he made the Wilkes made the best of a a difficult situation, but I do think this is a move that had to be made. Yeah. It's just, it was not a good fit. And I don't like, look, retrospect is, uh, our hindsight is 2020. I was supportive of the hire when they made it, but I just mm-hmm. don't think that the scenario that they made was one that was ever going to find success because they're asking Wilkes to do something that he's never done. And he's had a lot of success in the NFL. So why would he want to? And, you know, everybody has their bread and butter. Everybody has what they're comfortable with. And that's no different than like Kyle with his offense, right? He has things that he falls back on when the going gets tough. So does Wilkes. And the things he falls back on does not represent this defense, did not mesh with what the leaders wanted, what what the defense has set up and what the defense has been designed to be able to do. So it just it didn't work out. And I personally would love a change of philosophy. I want to see an aggressive defensive coordinator come in. I want to see somebody that's going to disguise blitzes that's going to use the speed that they have a linebacker use Huff when he comes back to surprise blitz things like we saw in the Super Bowl. Like, yes, not everybody's going to be, you know, Spagnola there, but do you remember a single blitz from this season where you went, Oh wow, that guy didn't show blitz at all before the snap. No, what they did was they would line, they would have both uh, Warner and Greenlock come up and act like they're going to blitz. And sometimes they did more often than not, they dropped back. But either way, if they did blitz, the defense was prepared for it because they showed blitz. There was no like, hey, we're not going to show blitz at all. But as soon as the ball hikes, we're we're going in. Let's get to the conference call. Here's Kyle Shanahan announcing the move earlier today. This morning, I relieved Steve Wilkes of his duties. Going to end up making a change here, defensive coordinator. Really tough decision because really um, says nothing about Steve as a man or as a football coach. I mean, he's exactly what we wanted as a man. Uh, he is a great football coach, but just where we're going, where we're at with our team um, from a scheme standpoint and things like that, looking through it all throughout the year through these last few days, um, felt pretty strongly that this was a decision that was best for our organization. And even though it was one I didn't want to make, it was something that um, once I realized that I think a different direction is what's best for our organization, um, then it's something that I have to do from our scheme and where we are. I mean, very clearly saying that Wilkes didn't fit. Here's a little more of Kyle Shanahan talking about, he was asked specifically, is one of the reasons Wilkes is gone because he couldn't marry his pass rush with his coverage? Yes, I think it was. And I don't think that just is solely because of his background CBs. I just think it's 
you know, has to do with, you know, the way we play linebacker um, and stuff like that. And the way that, you know, Fred and Trey have done it here over the years and the way we've coached it. And I mean, there's, there's no one way to do things, but um, you want to tie things together. And Steve was always working to do that. Uh, there's no doubt about that, but um, it was just for, for his background and how it ended up with us. It was just, it wasn't, it was harder than it needed to be. And mm. I felt it would improve us um, going a different direction. It's harder than it needed to be, Levin. Look, I think what happened is they, Kyle thought that Wilkes would be able to adjust to fit the specific talents of this defense, as he mentioned the linebackers. I think what he thought was, all right, our linebackers are unique. They're fast. They're great in coverage. We'll take what he is great at in the secondary, but he'll change the coverages some to allow our linebackers to be coverage linebackers and allow them to drop and give them that free will. Cause I think our linebackers have a lot of ability to kind of roam, especially Warner and Wilkes was not able to do that. He wasn't able to mesh it all together. And I think especially when uh, the chips were down, Wilkes just fell back to normal stuff. And that meant you're not utilizing Warner. You're not utilizing green Greenlaw in the best way possible and so the defense is worse off because of it and i think that frustrated everybody and it ended up leading to friction and i would bet in the years to come it will come out that there was a lot more friction between players and wilkes than we have so far seen i think so too i mean we talked to matt barrow's super bowl week about how how active Fred Warner was in the game plan and, and everything that Fred Warner was doing behind the scenes. I don't think Fred was doing that because he wanted to. I think he was doing it because he felt like he needed to because yeah. there was there was ultimately a disconnect between Kyle and the rest of the team. I thought it was kind of funny that Kyle said, there's no one way to do things, but essentially we're firing you because you didn't do things our way. There's no <laughs> one way to do things, but do it our way. Right. And that, yeah. that's, my, that's my problem with what he said because he said like, you know, they're looking for somebody that runs a similar scheme. Uh, probably from hiring within or whatever. And to me, I don't agree with that. You're, you're doing one of two things, and I don't think either one is good. Either you're hiring a really young, unproven guy, which is a big risk to take, that he might not be ready for. He might fail, and you don't know what you're getting. He might develop. Like, D'Amico got better, but D'Amico is unique. You know, I, I think he's special awesome. <laughs> in that regard. So you're likely going to be at a disadvantage because the whoever you hire is going to have a learning curve. That's not what this team needs right now. They need, you know, now, not, oh, well, in a year or two, this guy will be like a, a great dynamite defensive coordinator. I think uh, part of that is Kyle's probably own arrogance saying, well, I'll just help on defense. And it's like, Kyle, you can't do it all. You can't be the offensive coordinator. You can't help with, with the defense during the game and be making all the of the sound head coaching decisions that you need to be able to make. But but they're either going to do that or they're going to go to somebody that has a little more experience, but bring him in and say, all right, here's your coaching staff. Make it work together. No. When you hire a defensive coordinator, they need to bring in their own guys. And I think Kyle just sent the wrong message, and it might be too late to ever take it back. He's telling the players, all right, I'll go find a guy that does it your way. Rather than saying, we're going to go find the best person possible, and he's going to come in and teach us some things and we're going to improve and we're going to change it up and we're going to run what works for him and we'll make it work because we're so talented. JCG, I'm going to get back to your super chat in a second, but I want to finish Levin's thought here because Kyle was asked specifically 
are you going to get someone that runs what you do, or are you open to bringing in a new defensive coordinator with his own scheme? I'm committed to trying, with the situation we're in, trying to find what we believe will give the Niners the best chance in 2024. And when you have a group of guys who have played at a high level doing certain things um, a specific way for a while, I do feel that's the best thing to do for them. But if I find something that I could believe in and I could be sold on that could be a better avenue, I would never hesitate to do that. So I'm not close-minded in any way. I'll look in uh, every possibility. Um, but, you know, when, when you have some good players who have played at a high level and got it a certain way, I'm not just trying to change that. You know, I lean towards trying to keep them doing similar stuff that they've been very good at that's got us very far. Um, but I have to make sure that I find the right person who's capable of leading our group in that way that the standard of how we have done it and that the belief that we'll continue to get better at it I believe in with whoever I choose to do this for us. I think that Kyle, what Kyle's thinking on one hand is correct in that if you change the scheme, you're likely going to need different players that fit that scheme. And we don't have time for all that because we're in this win now scenario that you talked about. But I think he's disregarding the whole outsider aspect of it, which is kind of the same mistake he made with Steve Wilkes. If you bring in someone that runs quote unquote, our scheme, you cut the legs out from under that person, I feel like. And and the fact that they don't get to hire their own staff does that also. Like, you want to bring in a defensive coordinator. Hey, it's my way or the highway. I'm bringing in my staff. It's my guys. And we're going to do things the way I want them done. If you, if you try to do the same thing and put the square peg in the round hole again, I'm not so sure it's going to work out. I don't know what they're going to do because the problem for them is all the obvious candidates are gone. Like, People can say Bill Belichick. Absolutely, I think you should make the call. Yes. Do I think there's some... I can't even think of a good analogy because, honestly, I'm so tired from work. <laughs> <laughs> like, do I think there's a you know a chance in hell Bill Belichick is going to come be a coordinator for somebody else? No. There's no. a 0.0% chance. Maybe if you tack on 10 zeros to that point zero <laughs> and put, then put a 1... Maybe that's the actual percentage chance Bill Belichick will come in and do that. And, and I don't like, you know, there's quite a few comments already for us talking about Mike Vrabel. I don't like that. He's been a defense coordinator one year. And they you weren't know, good. He, he is the classic, I am a better head coach than coordinator person. He's a great motivator. He is not an X's and O's guy. Can I say one thing quickly about Belichick, though? No. You bring in Belichick, forget all the stuff we just said about undercutting yeah. authority because Belichick just throws yeah. his rings on the table and says, we're doing things how I want to do them. You, you have one pitch for Belichick. Come in. You don't have to worry about any of the bureaucratic stuff. You don't right. have to worry about dealing with the press nearly as much. And right. I will butt out of the defense. You do whatever you want with the defense. I will not come in. I won't be sitting in your meetings like I have with the other defensive coordinators. Right. If you want my input, I will give it. And I'll be ready, but it is your show. You do whatever you want, and we'll have a co-head coach kind of scenario. I, that's I, that's the only pitch you got. I think that's a pretty good pitch. Like, hey, you don't want to do a press conference? <laughs> don't worry about it, Bill. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll work our way around it. Um, get back to the thing that you love, right? The nitty-gritty X's and O's, mm -hmm. and you don't have to deal with all this other crap. You don't have to look at a quarterback. And, and you know? give him a co-head co coach. Give him a, what, what assistant, yeah. uh, what do they call it? Assistant head coach or whatever. Like you could finagle it. 
it's you have to make the call. You just have to, even though I agree the odds that he takes it are minuscule, but that's a damn good pitch. If you, that was a pretty good sales job by you, Levin, not going to lie. Um, but yeah, I, people are throwing out names in the chat. Vrabel. Um, I know that Guy Haberman suggested Anthony. Lynn, I think Anthony Lynn's son, uh, who was with UCLA, who has been pretty successful. I'm not going to pretend to know who's going to be a good defensive coordinator and who's not going to be. I think Kyle has done a good job at finding those guys for the most part. And again, uh, statistically, Wilkes did a fine job. They were third in the league in points allowed this year. They were top 10 in yards allowed. Like, you know, I don't think it was like a train wreck. It just wasn't, it wasn't as good as it could have been. I think that's the thing. I think with as much talent as they have on defense and the fact that they basically had training wheels on at all times of, you're going to run our defense. We'll just let you do the play calls, but I also might call a timeout to stop your play calls. <laughs> I'm not, I wouldn't say it was necessarily as bad as it could have been, but there's a certain floor that's extremely high in that scenario where you have as much talent on defense as any team in the league. And you're running a scheme that the players know extremely well to the point that somebody like Fred Warner could be the defensive coordinator. I think that's, where I'm at with it. Like, yes, they were top 10 in a lot of things, but I think that was the floor. Maybe they could have been a slightly worse, but there wasn't much room to be worse, but there was a heck of a lot more room to be better because this team has enough talent on defense that if you get the right person and you hit everything right, you could have an historically good defense. RGC WPB throws this out. Rex Ryan is the name, and it's a name that I love, Levin. From this perspective, you got to change the vibes and the juju with the 49ers. You can't just run it back. You can't just have a, you know, you need somebody that's going to get in and rattle their freaking cages. And Rex can get in there, and he can, he's got a Super Bowl ring as a D coordinator. He could say, look, I've got the thing that you don't have, so shut up and listen to me. He's not going to take any crap from any of the players. There won't be a motivation problem with Rex Ryan as your defensive coordinator. I can promise you. I'm not saying they have to hire Rex Ryan, but I like the idea of changing the vibes and just getting somebody in there that's going to be brash and confident and give this team a little bit of a swagger because I think they're hurting right now. I think they're bleeding, and it's going to be hard to get them to to kind of buck up next year. There are two names that I have thought of one of which I just saw in the comments um, that I think is a good one. Don't underestimate Brandon Staley. He had a phenomenal year as a defensive coordinator and who was he a defensive coordinator for? And thus recommendation would go a very long way. Sean McVay is the answer. Sean McVay, yes. But the the defense is with the Chargers stunk. Yes. He's not a good head coach, but that doesn't mean he can't be a great coordinator. There's plenty of people. Spagnola himself is one of them. Uh, that is a much better coordinator than head coach. The other one that I haven't seen mentioned, and it's probably because he's he was a head coach for so long that he hasn't been a coordinator for well over a decade at this point, but I wouldn't necessarily rule it out as Ron Rivera. Ugh, no. I'm so, I soured on Rivera. I'm not a huge Rivera fan, but it wouldn't shock me if Kyle goes to somebody with head coaching experience so that that guy, because the problem is, is either it's going to be somebody where Kyle's almost the de facto defensive coordinator, or it's going to be somebody that has been 
around long enough and a head coach and reach certain levels to where he can command the respect that's needed. Cause I think there's very much a vibe on this team right now that if the guy doesn't come in and say the right thing right away, those players are going to be, well, screw you. We're not going to listen to you. Cause they just did it to the guy that was there before. Right. Like, Oh, we just tried this. It's, we know how this is going to go. Um, Jasmine Testamark says, just hopping on here. So sorry if I missed it. If someone said it already, what do you guys think of Richard Sherman for the job? Hypothetically, look, it's a cool idea, but one, I get the feeling from what Kyle's comments that we play that they would rather have a guy that has history with the defensive line or with the linebackers, just because specifically that's what went wrong with Wilkes was that he didn't understand how they played linebacker. And Oh, by the way, Richard Sherman's never been a coach at any level before. And I don't know if you want that guy to be your defensive coordinator of a potential Super Bowl team. Yeah. So that that's my issue is it would be different if he had been, you know, some kind of low level coach, a DB's coach, something. And, and he was getting a promotion kind of like D'Amico Ryan's, you know, D'Amico Ryan's was a, uh, linebacker coach for what two years before he became a defense coordinator i think you need at least a year of that and in almost all cases except for the very rare special ones you need at least three or four years of being that uh because like somebody like jj watt i think could be an excellent coach i would not make him the defensive coordinator he needs some seasoning first and i would throw richard sherman in that boat i think richard sherman could be a phenomenal defensive coordinator and even potentially a head coach. He's an incredibly smart guy who obviously knows a lot. But yeah. it does take a year of being in that, I think, to be ready for what all goes into building a game plan yourself. I would love it if he if they added him to the staff. A thousand percent yeah. I would be on board with that. I just don't know right this second if he's ready to be a D coordinator. And you know, he may not want to do it either way. So uh it's, my feeling it's, is it's gonna be a, a no name. Somebody that's Maybe no, nobody really sees coming in. Like I said, it basically makes Kyle the de facto. Cause I feel like my, my hunch is the way Kyle's reacting to losing the Super Bowl is in my, his mind is, wow, I can't believe Wilkes did that and went cover zero. My solution is I'll just handle it. I'll hire a guy that I get heavy input and I might even make some defensive calls during the game and I'll put it more on myself. Cause I know all, you know, it's almost a logical standpoint, but it's also arrogance and illogical because he should be well aware that nobody can do it all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
I want to get to some people who've been waiting uh, with the super chats. JCG1987, say what you want about the game plan, but only Tom Brady has been able to beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Mahomes faced the number one seed Eagles and 49ers. Yeah, this just in. 15 is pretty good. Um, I actually saw a f- phenomenal thing. My brother posted in the football, uh, my family's football chat, and it, it was a um, talking about like comeback situations. I'm pulling it up right now. It says, uh, since 2001, yeah, I know Yeah, there have been 125 drives in the NFL postseason where it was at least the fourth quarter. There was under a minute left to play, and the team on offense trailed by seven points or fewer at the start. By this standard, you're talking about clutch moments. Only 40% of the time does the team that on offense pull off the magic trick and get the points they needed. Uh, some of the quarterbacks that are best at it was Tom Brady. He's five for 11, just under 50%. Drew Brees was three of six. Patrick Mahomes, seven, seven, seven. for seven. Yeah, freak. Like freak of all freaks. I hate that guy. He's a giant jerk. Um, but yeah, he is. Uh, Flav says, just heard the Chiefs haven't been called for one holding penalty in four Super Bowls. So the refs scared of ruining greatness. I find it very hard to believe that the Chiefs never committed a holding penny penalty in any of the Super Bowls, especially the one against Tampa Bay, where their offensive line was was duct tape and chicken wire and the Bucks were getting through every play. But, you know, it didn't come down to the holdings. We talked about this. That certainly didn't help. But the 49ers still had opportunities to win the Super Bowl and they whiffed. So I, I'm just going to be plain and honest here the thing i've struggled with most is i i have gone and found them looked for them i watched some of the tape back myself there are a lot of times where a 49ers defender was straight up tackled or bear hugged (laughs) like it wasn't just oh they held where they're like holding on to the jersey on the outside of the shoulder pads no they were straight up tackled and there were multiple in the overtime that then led to a big play for Kansas City, a first down and such. That's the part I'm struggling with because this is just where I'm at mentally. To me, I I feel like the NFL and the refs, they are not rigging it, but they will do whatever they can within reason to make it more likely Kansas City wins. No, And I... that's what they're doing with the holding. They called two holdings on the 49ers in the game, but then they literally ignored players being tackled directly in front of Patrick Mahomes in overtime and the fourth quarter. That's on purpose. The replays show the head referee literally watching the players get tackled, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa. It is purposeful that they're not calling it, yet they called it on the 49ers in key situations twice in the game. To me, that's the part I'm really struggling with because it makes me want to say, all right, NFL, I'm done with you. And I'm really struggling with that because I – truthfully don't want to support something i get stuck on principle of things a lot and the principle of the matter is if you're going to go that scenario that route then i basically gave you a big middle finger and say i don't want to support you anymore the and that's where i'm at the league doesn't need the chiefs to win it doesn't matter to the league it's who great wins. for a dynasty to be around I mean, okay, but like the 49ers, you could start a new dynasty or the dynasty could lose a year like the Chiefs did against the Bucs. And maybe they come back next year. Look, they don't like to throw flags because they don't like what they really hate is people talking about a flag at the end of the Super Bowl. The way the Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl ended, they hate that. They hate Then Why are you calling it on the 49ers? They called it in the first quarter. They called called, one in overtime. Well, the Braden Willis one was pretty bad. (laughs) 
Yes, it was a bad hold, but you have worse ones for the Kansas City. They straight up, Fred Warner went on a blitz. It went unblocked. Jarek McKinnon's having to come over from the far side to get him. He literally dives and grabs onto his legs and tackles him. It is a complete and utter tackle. Like not even, oh, I'm just going to dive into you and knock you down. No, it was straight up, I tackled you. He wrapped him up and he falls at the feet of Patrick Mahomes who then throws a completion. You can't call it on the 49ers in overtime and then not that one. I agree. They should have called it 100%. Uh, Nee says, honestly, it was weird. It seemed we couldn't cover pick plays all year. Like we were never ready for them more than I can remember any other year. There were certain things that that definitely worked against the 49ers. It was it was a frustrating year, I think, especially for the players. Uh, Flav is back. He says Belichick might be crazy enough to want to immerse himself around Kyle's just to know exactly how to stop his offense. The thought of him being there to help manage games and breed confidence gives me warm thoughts. Let's you just know, say. I, I, I like that angle. I had not thought of that, that. Maybe Belichick goes, you know what? I'll go be a defensive coordinator for one year. I will have a, a phenomenal chance of winning a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator. And like you said, he will learn how to beat Shanahan. So then next year he takes a head coaching job and he knows exactly how to beat Shanahan. And it's not just Shanahan, by the way. It's right. like literally a third of all offenses in the NFL. Shanahan, McVay, LaFleur, yada, yada, Although yada. I will say, I don't know that he actually needs to learn that because his defenses still shut people down despite having no talent. Well, he's the one that shut down McVay. Like, he broke McVay's yeah. scheme and forced McVay to have yeah. to change. But I I don't think that's a, like, that's not nothing. I think he would say, well, one advantage to doing this if I chose to do it is, one, like, I stay relevant. I keep my name relevant. I keep, you know, I'm in the flow of the NFL. And I get to learn more about this guy that I might eventually have to beat at some point. Again, it's worth the phone call. The phone call costs you absolutely nothing. We know Kyle and Bill have a good relationship. Why not? Like, what have you got to lose? No, All you can say is no. We know Belichick respects Kyle as much as any coach in the NFL because that's why he gave Jimmy Garoppolo without actually shopping him. Mm-hmm. He called the 49ers. Like, yeah. And think of that. I don't remember the exact wording of the quote, but he said, I wanted Jimmy to go to somebody who would take care of him, which is ironic because it didn't really happen. But Sign me two nine watching on Twitch. Shout out to the Twitch fam. Says Belichick doesn't need to learn that. Shanahan will break himself. Ooh, it's funny because it's true, Levin. Shanahan does have a little bit of, you know, the waves breaking themselves against the rock. You know, oh, just keeps doing it over and over and over again. And maybe he's trying to wear it down. And in 50 years, you finally see the dent and he wins one. You know, I was talking with Vish uh, today on the phone and he brought something up and he totally convinced me. I think there's a legitimate argument to make that you need to clean house. If you're the 49ers, you need to get rid of Kittle. You need to get rid of Debo. You need to get rid of Armstead. You need to get rid of certain players in this locker room that have been there for a really long time for a couple different reasons. One, you can get value for them, but two, you can't, you need guys that are, you need to freshen things up. You need new blood. Things are stale right now. The vibes with this team are not good. I, I don't know. I would not be against it, Levin. If you kept a core of Brock Purdy and Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey and maybe Juwan Jennings on offense, Kyle Shanahan can work with that. And then you use the resources that you get from those players and you restock the cupboard and you reload a little bit. I kind of like that idea better than, well, 
let's just try again with everybody being a year older. Like, I don't think I like that. I know there's contractual implications and all that stuff, but I think you could clean house a little bit. And I think maybe they should. I, I think that of all the names you mentioned, there's two that I would be willing to do. And one of them is I want him moved. And one of them is, it's not necessarily a bad idea. I'll, I'll do the not a bad idea first because the other one's going to launch us into a whole different conversation. Eric Armstead, with his what he has for an injury or condition, it's not going away. He's not going to be able to play a full season. You're going to have to constantly manage it. To me, I know he is like he's the longest tenured player, but I think it's time to move on. He's getting up there in age. He's still effective, but you can't trust that he's going to be able to play because it can flare up at any time. You have no idea when it's going to. Now, the problem is, is his contract, whether you trade him or you cut him, you only save two and a half million. So there's not much wiggle room in the contract, although he is kind of a team player type of guy. He might be willing to do something, either take a pay cut to stick around or rework the deal to where he he gets the money but it doesn't have as big of a uh, dead cap hit. I don't know if there is a solution, but to me, it's, I mean, he only has the one year before you get into the void years, but you're looking at next year after next season, having 15, as you see here, 15 and a half million of a dead cap hit anyways, because of the void years. If you let him go this year, it's a $25 million cap hit. You're having 15 the following year, no matter what, what happens that following year? Who do you have to pay? Brock. Brock. So is it better to take the 25 million cap hit now and have them completely off the books when you need to play, pay Brock? Because that 15 million is pretty much the entire amount that Brock's probably going to count against the cap in year one. So you basically just paid for it because you took that cap hit early. I don't know that they can swing that, but I would do whatever I could to try to get out of that contract the other one i think you know darn well is debo well hold on we'll put a pin in that for a second if you cut armstead post june one the cap hit is only 10.3 million so that's yes it is it is a possibility and it sucks because i armstead as a person is awesome he's done everything the team wanted him to do he moved inside when they needed Mm -hmm. him to move inside and he played great inside but his age combined with his salary combined with his injury history like these are the tough choices you make in the NFL. Yeah. And unfortunately I, I agree with you, Levin. I do think they need uh, to do that. And it's a shame because I love Armstead. And if he said, screw you, just cut me. I want to be somewhere else next year. Then I would do it. Like I, I, I want to see him succeed and play well and have a good NFL experience, but I don't think it can be in San Francisco next year. Now let's get to the other player. Well, let me say one thing real quick on the Armstead. That might be why he's willing to rework the deal. Like, let's say, I, I think the Niners respect him a heck of a lot. I don't know that they'd be willing to wait until June 1st to cut him because that kind of screws over Armstead. And, and there's a lot of mutual respect there. But they might go to him and say, look, you're not going to be here. It We, we can't take the cap. It, we need to get you off the books this year so that when we pay Brock, we have the cap, cap space to pay him. We don't want to have to wait until June 1st because we respect you too much but we will save 16 extra million (laughs) and we have to make a business choice, but we want to come to you and offer you a middle ground. If you rework your deal in a way that gets us down to like, you know, 10 million dead cap hit, 
we will cut you now at the start of free agency so you can go find your next team. And that might be the compromise they find. And you know when that conversation happens? It happens in about two right weeks now. at the Combine yeah. uh, when they're all together. Uh, so that's going to be a very interesting time for the not just the 49ers, for everybody. Uh, Andre, YouTube channel member. Shout out to all our YouTube channel members, by the way. I love you. I appreciate you. If you want to support the channel, please sign up and become a member. It's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis. You get membership badges. You get priority comment response. Uh, and I'll give you a follow on Twitter if you would like. I will also do that. Andre says, who will they get to replace Armstead draft? Because it ain't Kinlaw, and that's a real important position. This is kind of a matter. You you have Hargrave, you have Bosa. You should be able to line somebody up there, and they do well enough. I mean, you would think, but they have been struggling and to it, find. It could be Kinlaw, by the way. Kinlaw isn't bad. He he improved quite a bit this year. I'd have a hard time trusting him. Yeah, because that's the same problem situation. with Armstead. Yeah, right. But he's a lot cheaper if if you if you can bring him back. I almost wonder if the defense was worse. If that would change Kyle Shanahan's game management decisions, because Kyle's always like, oh, we have a good defense, so I don't need to go for it on fourth down. What if Kyle thought the defense sucks? And he's like, you know what? We got to go for it on fourth down because I know he ain't stopping there. <laughs> oh, I mean, he should. Ch- I think this year should change his damn mind. It's not going. Oh, to- hey, we have a great defense and they never held up. We literally went down and scored and took the lead three times. They had three opportunities to get one stop. And they didn't get it a single time. I'm not trusting the defense anymore. It doesn't matter how good they are. That should be the takeaway Kyle has from this game. But obviously, he hasn't learned that lesson to this point yet. And it's not the first time that it's happened to him. So I uh, we'll get faith. We'll get to the Debo Samuel uh, possibilities in a second. But JCG1987 no, says, imagine Pete Carroll chewing gum as Niners DC. Hell no. Kyle Shanahan destroyed his defense. And everybody knows how to destroy his defense. <laughs> I want no part of Pete Carroll. You're lucky you did that as a super chat because otherwise I'd block you for making me picture <laughs> Pete Carroll chewing gum. <laughs> in the 49ers colors once again, which of course he yeah. used to be yeah. with the 49ers back in the day. No, thank you. Another one from yeah. JCG says, one person who loves Shanahan more than anyone is Dan Quinn. No one remembers the defensive genius was the head coach who gave up a 28-3 to lead. I totally agree. Dan Quinn gets zero flack for that because it's a much more convenient narrative to, to, say, to include three blown leads in the Super Bowl for Kyle Shanahan instead of just two. Makes the case look even worse. Anyway, Debo. Let's get to the possibility of Debo and moving on from him. It's Dicey Levin. $26.5 million if you cut Debo pre-June 1. If you cut him post-June 1, it's $11.4 million. Uh, if you trade him post-June 1, it's only 6.6, but that almost never happens. Yeah, you're not trading him post-June 1. Sorry, that's just not happening. But a trade pre-June 1, I do think is possible, and I absolutely think they should do it. Go that's find the-, the best, make the calls, drive up the price as best you can, and I don't care if it's a second or third round pick, make it because there, there's two reasons. One, you just can't afford it. And 100% you choose Ayuk over Debo. And I mean, we talked a little bit about it. I'm sure we'll get into it more. Effort is a problem for Debo. And I have major problems with that. And it might be time to send a message to the rest of the team. Hey, this guy who doesn't show effort unless he gets the ball is not going to be around anymore. But there's a bigger reason why I want, I would prefer to see Debo off this team. I think. Debo being on this team makes Kyle Shanahan a worse offensive coordinator because he's become a crutch for Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, if Debo is active, he goes, how can I get the ball into Debo's hands? And he devises the entire offensive scheme around Debo getting the ball. The problem is Debo can't beat anybody in coverage. 
The only way he is good is once he has the ball in his hands. Before he has the ball in his hands, he's below average. Yeah. He's not a great blocker. He has extreme effort issues if he's not going to be the centerpiece of the play. And he can't beat anybody in man coverage. He is a terrible wide receiver at the aspect of route running. He is not good at it, and he never has been. That was always his weakness. Pre-draft, that was his weakness. So you're limited. And I think what it does is when you devise the game plan around getting Debo the ball and the defense comes down for it and says, we're not going to allow Debo to beat us, we're going to not let him get the ball, the offense is broken because Kyle won't go away from his scheme until it's too late. And we saw part of that in the Super Bowl. There's no reason for Debo to have had 11 targets in that game. Let me just tell you, I watched J.T. O'Sullivan's breakdown of Brock Purdy. And it's a it's a fascinating breakdown on Brock Purdy. It's over an hour long. But it is also a breakdown on Debo Samuel. And there are a ton of plays in that game. Not the first where, time J.T.'s pointed that out either. That's true. Debo. There are a ton of plays in the game where Debo is, first of all, he's just getting absolutely locked up in man coverage. Now, the Chiefs have really good corners. I want to give them credit, but this is not the first time this has happened to Debo Samuel. So it's not just because the Chiefs are really good. There are a lot of plays where Debo gets locked up and then quits running the route. There are a lot of plays. On the touchdown, the Juwan Jennings touchdown pass, it almost doesn't happen because Debo just olays his block mm-hmm. and doesn't even block for a guy that's in his wide receiver room, Levin. And that play almost doesn't happen. And it's the freaking Super Bowl. If there was ever one game where Debo was going to go max effort every single play, you'd think it would be that game. And I'm sorry. The offense, the whole offense gets planned around him. He's always hurt. If he gets hurt, the offense goes to crap because Kyle has no backup plan. Hell, we saw mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl, he's running end around to Debo Samuel with half a hamstring on one leg. Like Or earlier in the season when Debo went out, he ran him with Ray Ray McLeod. <laughs> right. And Bobo says, what are you talking about? Debo knocks defensive backs on their asses every game. If he has the ball in his hands and he's running, yes, but not as or a blocker. Or if the run is directly up his area. Not even then. Yeah. Ayuk and Jennings are the ones play. that are blocking. Yes, they are both much better blockers, and they have effort on every single play, no matter what. There's a reason why DBs get into it with Ayuk and Jennings on a run play, and they never do with Debo. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Andre Garibay says, do we move off of Kyle Juszczyk as well? No reason to be paying a fullback that much. Just draft one late if you want a fullback. Well, we know he he ain't getting rid of Coach's buddy, as JT O'Sullivan calls him. I wouldn't be surprised if you use check comes back for pretty cheap. Cause I don't think there's a huge market. He's an older fullback and teams won't utilize him. There's not going to be a huge market for him in my opinion. So I, I think he could come back on a, on a deal that's worth a little bit less than what he was making. There's the a guy you can get to take a pay cut. Yeah. Hey juice, you're making 7.5 next year. That's your cap number. If we cut you, it only costs us 2.6 and we save $5 million. Guess what you're going to do or we're going to cut you. And yeah, maybe he'll catch on with somebody else. But I always said, I said this before he signed his most recent extension. A fullback is like first-class plane tickets or heated seats in a car. If you've got the extra cash and you can afford it, it's great. 
But if there are any money issues whatsoever, those are the first thing to go. Get rid of them. I'm all yeah. set with Kyle Juszczyk. Uh, I'm just, yes, I'm absolutely for moving on from Kyle Juszczyk. Nice guy. Great interview. I'm all set. We don't need you, Juice. I, I wouldn't mind bringing him back, but uh, I don't want to pay him no seven and a half million. But I want to go back to Debo. And I even heard you say this to uh, Grant earlier today. Yes, Debo can take over a game. He can take over a game like few yes. wide receivers can. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. But is two to three games of that a season worth everything else? Absolutely not. That's my problem with Debo. He either has a massive game or he does nothing. Or he's more of a detriment because the scheme is built for him and he puts up 50 yards because the, the defense just concentrates on it. You know, Debo didn't have over 50 yards receiving except for once in the final seven games, including playoffs. The only time he did was the NFC Championship game. And for all the talk of how he can take over games, well, guess what? He has three touchdowns in 12 games in the playoffs. So it's not like it's coming up, you know, it's not like he's getting all sevens in the playoffs. It's not like he's putting up these crazy numbers in the playoffs. So it's okay, we can we can put up with kind of the regular season stuff. No. He doesn't even do it in the playoffs. So what is the benefit? I, I don't get it. Like, is he talented in an offensive weapon? Absolutely. Do I feel like he's a slightly better Curtis Samuel who gets the game planned around him all the time? Yes. I feel like Debo is a better version of Curtis Samuel who gets the game plan to him so he puts up bigger numbers than Curtis Samuel. By the way, Curtis Samuel is a free agent. So if you could go sign him for say seven, eight million a year and get rid of Debo, would you make that swap? You know, Grant made a good point today, which was Debo was super valuable when he could be the wide back, right? When he could do the running and the receiving. He had but, one year of being crazy valuable. Well, bec- and I think now like teams have adjusted to him as a running back. Yeah. It doesn't have the same effect anymore. And you also have Christian McCaffrey. It's like, do you necessarily need Debo no, right don't. now, especially at his price? Uh, look, it's complicated because of the contract as we laid out earlier. But if they could find a way to do it, I absolutely support it, especially because of the effort stuff. Like the effort stuff is a big, this team is scratching and clawing for their life. We can't have guys that aren't giving effort. Look at Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey goes all out every play, whether he's getting the ball, whether he's not getting the ball. Jennings blocking guys into the Gatorade. Ayuk blocking guys 50 yards down the field. That's what they need from everybody, every play. Uh, What's insane is the effort that Debo gives is the type of crap that Kyle Shanahan puts wide receivers in the doghouse for. Yeah, because Debo is so special with the ball in his hand, Kyle ignores it, and you can't have double standards like that. Well, I think that's part of the problem. The problem is, is Kyle Shanahan goes, I can get the ball into anybody's hand. That's my you know special talent. And I have the guy that is maybe the best in the league at having the ball in his hand. So I'm going to build everything around him. Like I said, it's a crutch for Kyle. And it makes the offense, I think, worse overall in a game in, game out. Are there games where it absolutely comes up and the the team just dominates because the the defense decided that they were going to try to play Debo honest and not crash down on him all the time? Absolutely. But that's only a few times a season. All the other times, it's all right, the first half, they're taking away Debo. Now let's run a different offense that's more like regular. Oh, suddenly we start moving the ball. I just feel like he does more bad than good, and it's not necessarily his fault. It's the head coach being obsessed with, I just got to get the ball into his hands. 
Maybe it's because he knows if he doesn't, if Kyle doesn't place the ball into his hands, it won't get into his hands. I, I would be all in on it. I think you can get value for him. Look, Debo was a second round pick. I think they've, they've certainly squeezed all the juice from that second. They've gotten their money's worth out of that second round pick. Again, you, I think you got to change some of the core pieces on this team. You got to embrace the new, this has to be a new era. I think that, you know, you replace some of these guys and that's the message that gets sent to the locker room is it's not just ho-hum, we're going to try again. It's number one, if we fail again, I might be out of here. And number two, it's got to be the Brock Purdy era. If you believe in Brock, and I think they do, then it's got to be the Brock Purdy era. And that means it can't be Kittle's team anymore or Debo's team anymore. It's got to be Brock's team. It can't be Brock sitting there at the podium saying, well, I got to win it for all these other guys. No, dude, win it for you. Not for Trent, not for the Cabo click for you. It's got to be 13's team. I agree. I, I, I think I would probably keep around Kittle, but I wouldn't be crazy upset if he was moved on. Debo is the guy that I think you absolutely should move. And I think that you probably end up having to get rid of two of the big names. I, I don't think they can afford otherwise. So I, I think it's Debo and somebody else. I don't know who that somebody else is yet, but it's going to be an Armstead, a Kittle, somebody like that. It's going to be one of the big names that's been around a while. And like you said, I think they need it because I don't think you can send the message of, oh, we're just going to run it back. Right. You've got to make some kind of change to say, look, we weren't getting it done. We had to make some changes and we think we'll be better off this way. I agree. I think you you can't just run it back. You absolutely can't. Um, and I hope that they don't. And we'll find out. I'm sure they're having those conversations right now. And and like I said, a lot of you're going to hear. I bet you you're here going to hear quite a few rumors at the end of February at the combine. Remember last year we heard, hey, they're talking about trading Trey Lance at the combine. That's the kind of stuff they talk about. Like this is the kind of stuff that gets brought up. The groundwork that gets laid there in Indianapolis you'll be surprised if you heard every single discussion that happened at the combine. And I think they should, I think it's healthy. It's like a forest fire. Eleven. every once in a while, they say a forest fire is healthy for the forest. Cause it helps it regrow and come back stronger. I think the Niners need a forest fire. Let me, let me sum it up this way. I would rather trade Debo for a third than Ayuk for a first. Hmm. Unless you're going like all the way to like top 10 first, which I don't think yeah. there's a chance in hell. But if you're talking about, say 20 to pick 20 to 30 somewhere in there. I would rather keep Ayuk and forego that top 20 to 30 first round pick and trade Debo for a third. It's an interesting. That's... If you get rid of Ayuk, this is what I was thinking about when I was listening to you and Grant earlier today. If you get rid of Ayuk, you got nobody that can beat man coverage. And that is a problem. Yeah, true. But they don't have anybody. The I offense mean... becomes a standstill. Do it's all awesome. remember what it was before I, you know, busted out. It was, oh, either we can get the ball to Debo because the defense doesn't take him away or our offense sucks. I also think it's not like Brandon Ayuk was running wide open every play. Ayuk can get open against some corners, but against the top corners, he can't. He got locked up in the Super Bowl, too. You know, I think that people. I don't think he got completely locked up. He can get open. Part of it is Kyle is not scheming to get him open. He's just running, okay, here's your normal routes, and if you get open, great. But there were multiple plays, and Brock even talked about them, about one of them, where Ayuk was open, but he didn't go to him because he wasn't the first read, so he didn't get to him in time. And he doesn't know why, because he should have pre-snap is how he was putting it. 
Who was the first read on this? Debo. Well, the third. Ayuk would. Ayuk had three for forty nine. If he got the ball on that last play of offense in the end zone, and if he got the ball where he was wide open on a third down, where Purdy forced it to to Debo under pressure, but Ayuk was wide open, you know, five yards further down the field. Ayuk would have ended up having a you know a five catch eighty yard touchdown game in well, the Super Bowl. He wasn't can't... completely locked up. But you could say the same thing. I mean, Debo, Brock missed Debo for like a 40-yard touchdown pass. So if you, if you put that on Debo, then all of a sudden his game looks a little better too. So, it, look, changes need to be made. I think Jesse sums it up. He says, honestly, I don't even know where to go with this team anymore. I'm truly looking at Kyle different after all these years of supporting him. He's got to at least get the side eye. He's getting the side eye for me at this point. Uh, I will say this. You know, I had sort of an epiphany the day on Mon- Super Bowl Monday. It was the first time since I've been doing this job where I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this job anymore. Like, I don't want to do 49ers in five. Like, I don't. Where I, don't, I am this week. Right. Like, I don't want to cover this team. And that's just me and you covering this team and talking about this team. Imagine being a player and having to spend day after day and hours of pain in the gym and hours in meetings and all of that stuff. I can't, I, I don't know how you summon the courage to start it all up again. Honest to God. I, I get it. I get it. Those players are like, no mas. <laughs> Think of uh, yourself specifically as I, you, you do all that stuff that you just talked about all the pain, sweat, and tears, and you're getting open more consistently than anybody else on the offense. Yet the coach keeps going, well, we're going to go here first. And if that's not there, then maybe they'll look at you. Boy, that would piss me off. That's why I, I tweeted out what I did yesterday. I would not blame Ayuk one bit if he's told the 49ers, I appreciate it, but this is not the offense that I want to be in. Yep. I want to be in an offense where I can get 150 targets. I wouldn't blame him whatsoever for having that mentality. Because and I, some people were saying Hall of Fame potential. Yes, Hall of Fame potential doesn't mean it's likely, but I think there is a scenario where Ayuk gets traded to a team where he gets a bunch of targets like a true number one wide receiver, like a C.D. Lamb, like a Devontae Adams, a Stephon Diggs, and he's putting up 1,500-yard seasons for the next five or six years. I think there is the, a small chance that Ayuk could have a Hall of Fame career if he was in an offense that he got a bunch more targets in. He's that good. I think that I would completely understand if he said that. That's, that's a logical, like every player wants, every offensive player wants the ball. Kyle Juszczyk, has complained to Kyle Shanahan how he wishes he could get the ball more. Like everybody wants yeah. to have the ball in their hands if they're a skill player. That I don't, you know, I don't knock Ayuk if that's what he's thinking. I know there was a social media post from one of his friends that basically kind of said that essentially. Um, and he's within his rights to do it. He didn't choose to play for the 49ers. He got drafted to the 49ers. So I, I look, I want players to have as much power and get as much money as possible. I always have and I always will because they're the ones destroying their bodies to play this game. So if that's what he's thinking, even if the Niners want to pay him and he just wants to say no, like that's his prerogative too. And I will wish him well. Uh, but if you're telling me all things are equal, I would get rid of Debo over Ayuk. But unfortunately, they're not equal. It's so much easier to move Brandon Ayuk than it is to move Debo Samuel. So I want to make one more point on Ayuk that I don't know why nobody talks about it in this life. Everybody acts as you either pay Ayuk this season or you trade him. And there's no in between. Now, there is the possibility that they say, okay, you're back on your fifth-year option, and then we'll, we'll just franchise you. So either you sign a contract or we'll keep you around for the next two to three years. 
they do have that option. That has happened to other wide receivers. Now, obviously, Ayuk's pushback on that is, all right, I'll just hold out. I won't play. But, okay, we'll call your bluff on that. You've had one big year. If you sit out a whole season, good luck getting the contract that you want. We're offering you more than you would get in that situation right now. So either you can sign the contract we're offering, which I think the Niners would offer a pretty close to a fair market deal, or you can sit out, or you can just not sign anything, and we'll franchise you for a year or two, which means we have you for two or three years. They don't have to trade him. Here's There's one reason I don't like that, and I want to get to it in a second. I just want to read this from Violet XRP, who says, don't quit, guys. You'll be the reason I come back next season. Don't worry. We're not going anywhere. I promise you. We're going to be here all every day, all off season. It's just I had to get over that hump on Super Bowl Monday for the first time in my life. I'm like not I, over that hump. I'll be honest with you. Like I've said to you every day. I will almost definitely be back, but I am not in the I guarantee I'm here all year because I, I am really, really. I was being honest earlier. I'm really struggling with the aspect that the NFL flat out said. We're going to call holding on the other teams, but not on the Chiefs. That is that's so crazy to me like that. You're just to me. That's I have the, a hard time putting in this much, you know, this much of myself, this much of my emotions into something that I feel like it's not a fair fight. But that's the thing that I think is crazy. Of course, the investment, I get that. I'm with you. I'm right there with you. The idea that they just said to the refs, don't call holding on the Chiefs. I think that's absurd. I think that is the biggest Homer thing you've ever said on any show we've ever done. I I don't think it is. I think they absolutely do say, don't call holding on the Chiefs. I think the NFL flat out. So you're saying it's rigged. You're saying it's it's rigged. It's not fully rigged. They won't do something to guarantee the Chiefs win, but they will stack the odds in their favor. I just don't see what the league gets out of that. You think the rating was going to be that much lower if the Chiefs lost? They get their biggest start is still be in front of the camera. He's still in front of the camera. Although, God, I, I should mention the horrible shooting that took place today at the Chiefs parade. Just terrible. At least one person has died. Uh, multiple children are in the hospital. Now, they are expected to make a full recovery. But just that is horrible, horrible, horrible news. That yeah, is the most important thing. It's I, I have been there's been a couple of times where i almost said something about you know they get to celebrate the parade and then i remembered no no um i i wasn't gonna bring it up since you didn't i didn't want to go there but since you have uh yeah it's terrible and um i i'm sorry you might not like this but i'm gonna flat out say it if you support rifles like that i don't support you it's, I'm not talking you specifically. I'm talking right. about people in general. I am so sick of this crap. And just, it's 100% happening here because of the laws we have here. That's why it happens in this country uh, at many, many times the rate of any other country. I would agree. Like, we could we could do something about this. So we have chosen to do the bare, basically the bare minimum. We've done one thing, and it took how many of these events for it to happen? And even that is not nearly right. enough. And it's yeah, very I try to keep politics out of this but it's kind of hard when the politics are literally crashing the party right it was literally the chiefs super bowl parade and the chiefs players had to console people who were fleeing for their lives like that is a real thing that happened today and it's terrible um anyway i forgot what we were oh yes thoughts and prayers are not enough let's just yeah, put it that way they're not anything yeah here's why i don't like your iu solution yes you can say hey you got to play this year you're in your fifth year option I don't think they can franchise him after that because I think they want that available for Brock. And you can only tag one person. 
And if you tag Ayuk, you can't tag Brock. And to me, you can. I, so you, sorry, I'm interrupting because Brock is not a free agent after next year. He would still have one more year. So you could. No, yes, Ayuk. he is. He has a four year deal, does he not? Three year. He's not a first round draft picks get four year deals. Non first round draft picks get three year deals. Why do I have that wrong in my head? I thought everybody gets four years and it's the first round gets the fifth year option. I'm pretty sure only the first round picks get four year deals. Interesting. I I don't know how I have that wrong. Let me see if I let me just check quick on over the cap. Brock, (laughs) uh, let's see, 2023, 2024, 2025. You may be right, Levin. I am right. Thank you very much. You made me question myself. I'm somebody that's actually read the NFL rule book and CBA every single word of it. I really thought it was three-year deals for everybody. No, three else. years is when you can start to negotiate a new contract for four players. Four years is the length of every single rookie contract that's drafted. Well, Undrafted correct. free agents are different. That's what I'm saying. Like They can have a fifth-year option, and they can franchise them one more time, and then they, if they need to, they would have to choose between Brock and Ayuk. But at that point, if Ayuk still doesn't have his contract, then you're, you're probably moving on. Pasta of my domain says, come on, stats. Look, I'm not Kyle Shanahan. I'll say it. I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. You know how big of an inequality that would be? Hey, everybody else gets a three-year deal. First-round picks, you're controlled for five years if they want it. There's no way players would ever agree to that. Well, why? They screwed the players over with the rookie wage scale in the first place. Yeah, but it's not. Oh, if you're drafted in the first round, you're controlled for literally, you know, over one and a half times the amount of time. I wouldn't put it past. If I was if I was still available on the 25th pick and got to the 25th pick and my phone rings, I say, screw you, don't draft me until the second round starts. <laughs> right, because you want to hit free agency a year sooner. Um, Two years sooner but in then that the, scenario. The question becomes, if you do that to Ayuk, are you going to still get the same guy that shows up every week, that blocks his ass off, that does all the, that doesn't complain to the media? Because, you know, those things oh, have He would probably be more vocal with the media, but I don't – Look, he would still be playing for his contract, right? Because if he says, all right, I'm going to half-ass it all the time, guess what? You're not getting that big deal from another team in that scenario. So you still have to play to earn your big deal. Yeah. It's a it's an interesting equation that the 49ers have to balance. But they certainly don't have to do – yeah, they don't have to do anything with Ayuk's contract. And I'm sure I'm sure they've made him and his representation painfully aware of that fact. We know how, how difficult the 49ers can be when it comes to negotiations. But I think everybody – I don't see anybody in the chat or anybody online anywhere, Levin, saying, just run it back, everything's going to be good. Like, I, yeah. I think we all agree that some things have to change because clearly what they're doing is not good enough. Look, I will watch a movie – once anytime you know if i've never seen it i'll watch any movie if it's a pretty good movie i'll watch it a second time it's got to be a great movie to get that third time we've seen this movie twice and i don't like it it's (laughs) i don't like the ending (laughs) (laughs) yeah the ending is terrible i ruined Uh, it all (laughs) i watch movies over and over again a thousand times so i watch yeah you know my life Uh, i watch lots (laughs) of movies put it that way uh, I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, this team is a nonstop content factory, however, so I'm sure we'll be talking about all yeah, sorts of stuff. I was going to say, we made it. 
So far, you have not had a show under an hour since the Super Bowl. I know, and I've never meant to. Uh, it just it seems to happen. Like, look, because now we're going to talk about defensive coordinator candidates, and then they're going to hire a defensive coordinator, and then there's going to be a press conference, and then there's going to be the combine, and March is free agency, and then April's the draft, and we actually have a first-round pick now, so we can look at some mock drafts and have fun talking about mock drafts. The, the content doesn't stop, and we are going to be here with you. So don't shut down. I get it. I get that it hurts. I understand that but we will help you get through it. That's why you got to stick with us. If you're new and you're watching, please like and subscribe to the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel. Uh, like and subscribe to the Gold Standard Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. You help us. We help you. People helping people. That's what we do here, Levin. And if you don't want me to say F at all and stop doing this, Keep the super chats coming. Give <laughs> <laughs> me around. Levin is not above bribery. That's where we are on the show. Glad you uh, snuck that in. Oh, by the way, we should have mentioned the super chats. Speaking of sneaking things in, JCG1987 says trade Debo, make BA the number one, and go for Hunter Renfro in Las Vegas. Um, for what? Renfro hasn't done anything in like three years. He was, uh, yeah, I drafted him this year in fantasy and he did absolutely nothing. Uh, Frank says, great therapy session, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. It's helping you and it's helping, certainly helping me and it's helping us. Uh, so thanks. How do you think that last name is pronounced? Uh, I'm going to go with Luminog. Yeah, I, I like how that sounds, but something tells me it's wrong. What do you think it is? Luminog? Yeah, I feel like it's one that that has like some kind of accents that you just can't put on the letters. So I come on, Frank, hit but us up in the chat. Luminog sounds kind of cool, but I'd be surprised if it's pronounced that way. I hate getting guys' names wrong. I absolutely hate yeah, it. I, know. So I can I, tell when you ignore a last name and you don't read it. On, on, it's yes. like, oh, he doesn't want to read it. I would rather not read it than, than read it wrong. And that's, yeah, because I have a last name that everybody gets wrong. And I went on a friggin' station... Uh, TV station in the Bay Area, and they got it wrong one time. Don't get me started on getting called the wrong thing on a yeah on TV. Uh, it, it didn't even rhyme. <laughs> They're literally asking me about articles that I never wrote. They're asking me about uh, events that only the team was invited to, like not even the media was. It's like I, I don't know, I can't be there. Chris Maldonado, YouTube channel member, says, Rob, you called it today on Wilkes. I don't remember what I said earlier today, but I was right. So let's just keep it. My batting average is at 511. And if you have a 500 batting average, you know what they call you? A Hall of Famer. So I leave you with that. Fictional because nobody has it. Nobody has a 500 average. I know, but I'm saying if you did. I know what you're saying, but, you know, you should have gone with like 400 because that's actually happened. Crazy stat I heard. Ichiro Suzuki got his third hit in his 10th at bat and his career batting average never dipped below 300 ever again. When did you hear that? Cause I've literally heard that for like a decade now, a decade. Oh, well, it was, yeah. it was, I heard that when he was like still four or five years left in his career. Well, yeah, but now that he's played those four or five years, it's even more impressive. So you heard it when it was less impressive. I heard it when it was mind blowing. So there. It was still mind blowing. He was a decade into his career. They just knew, okay, after a decade of 330, there's no way he's going to dip under 300. <laughs> because he's friggin' insane. <laughs> anyway, thank you, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. We appreciate the support, and we'll talk to you soon.